Welcome back, fellow podcasters. It's time for another episode of Jeff Fry, an American conservative. I might also want to point out that today is episode number 50, and I think it's uh, rather unique, this experiment that I've been doing with the podcast as an alternate mechanism of communicating conservative value out there, that in our time period, We've reached out to over 75,000 listens, and I've been very fortunate to see my listening percentages going up and up as my time frames continue to sometimes as high as 3,000 per week. I've often told people that I think of this, this podcast like teaching a class at a university, a conservative university, if you may, in that thereabouts once a week, I have a classroom full of 2,000 students who get to listen to my opinions or whatever it might be, and I'm trying to do my part. We all have to do our part or else the liberal left is going to overrun us and we will lose our country for sure. So between being a social warrior on Facebook and Getter now, this podcast has allowed me to reach an audience wherever they are, because I can tell you, when I look at the statistic, it's not just in the United States. I, it's amazing how some people, maybe they accidentally get on it, but it'll, as many as 16 countries it's touched, Ukraine not being one of them. I, I did check that one out. In any event, it's been a, been a good experience. I look forward to my next 50 episodes or thereabouts. But let's get on with the podcast. This week, I'm, I'm looking to circle back Is that a Jen Psaki uh, expression? I want to go back to election integrity because we are coming up to our midterm elections. And as we all know, the way the last election happened in November of 2020, there's a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. There's distrust going on. So we have to be very, very cautious as we approach these 2022 elections to make sure that maybe we get it right. And I'm going to uh, be using quite a bit from uh, Newt Gingrich in his book, Beyond Biden, because he has a section in there about election reform, in his opinion anyway, and I'm going to make references to it on and off throughout the rest of this podcast. So let's start with going back to the election back in 2020, because statistically, we had about two-thirds of all the adult United States citizens cast a ballot that particular election. And and that was up from the last time in 2016. And interestingly enough, the turnout had records for all ethnic groups except one, which I found that to be kind of interesting. The one that was not at an all-time turnout were the black voters. The black voters were actually down uh, uh, five to eight percent from the their high was was during the Obama elections, and this is interesting to me because we had between five and eight percent less black voters turnout, and yet, and I'm not trying to get that conspiracy thing going, but in these six major blue lockdown cities, 
which seemed to swing the election after 10 o'clock at night when the voter polls supposedly had closed. The black vote in those six blue cities were the highest by far that they had ever been. I I mean, we're talking over 90% of all black voters in those areas, but not nationwide. And they outvoted even like downtown New York, uh, Chicago, Atlanta, all those. More black votes came out for Biden, who, by the way, never did a campaign, really, than they did for Obama. Isn't that interesting? But this is not about conspiracies. This is about trying to go forward to the next election. Now, one of the reasons why we had such a large turnout in 2020 was because of the accessibility that we had. And, of course, this was being driven by the pandemic. This was because of widespread absentee ballots or ballots themselves were just mailed to every registered voter out there. And it was the relaxing of certain rules and regulations that made that happen, which included a lot of these verification processes, which helped to have this larger election. And elections should be convenient. And elections should be, we said two-thirds of all the voters. Let's hope that maybe one day we could get 100%, right? Wouldn't that be great? Because the more people that come out and vote, then the theory is the better the chances that we have that the voice of the American population is being heard. We just have to be very cautious that when we're doing this, we're not jeopardizing the integrity of the actual ballot itself. Now, if we're looking to try to figure out what is the best thing that we could ever have hope for in our election, we have to establish the goal. And the goal is that every American citizen, remember I said American citizen now, because that is what our Constitution tells us. Every American citizen who's eligible to vote should be able to do so, and it should be done securely, easily, And we want to make sure that that vote is counted and only counted one time. Doesn't that make sense? I would have to think that we could even get an agreement on that from the left. Therefore, it then makes sense that any election reform law should be protecting that basic premise. If somehow both sides could look at the words the same way, we would have bipartisan laws to protect those ideals easily. But unfortunately, no matter what we do, and Republicans are as bad as the Democrats, one side will call that one thing and the other side will call it the reverse. So in our basic premise that it should be secure, let's talk about that. Because voter identification is at the top of the list. Now, what voter ID does is pretty simple. It makes sure that we know who is voting. So doesn't common sense tell you that in order to know who is voting or that the person making the vote is the person that they're purporting to be the voter, we need them to prove that in some fashion. And in our society, photo identification is the the most practical and widespread way of doing that. We also have signatures that we all use. Now, the Democrats will will tell you that 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 is unfair. 
it's too difficult for people to have access, especially uh, the the older people and, and people that uh, live in maybe socioeconomically uh, depressed areas. Does anybody realize that that really comes off of an ACLU argument back from 2006, which approximately 1,000 people were surveyed? And that's where they found out that about 11% of those 987, or about 1,000 people, 1,100 people, found that it was perhaps inconvenient to get one of these IDs, or that they didn't have it. And what they did is they took those 11% of those 1,000 people, they projected it to the population at the time, and that's where they come up with 21 million who they said would be affected but couldn't vote because it was not easy for them to do that. And that goes back to 2006. What they don't tell you also is that back then, you had about 70% of people had access to the Internet. But now, we have over 95% people have access to Internet. We also have many states and jurisdictions which will offer free identification cards. They'll offer transportation to and from. So it, it's not the same as it was 16 years ago. Another interesting thing out there is what does America want? Because just last year, a survey went out, 78% of all Americans across the table were for voter ID requirements in elections. 78%. Now, those particular percentages had 83% were amongst the whites, 72% African Americans, and 61% amongst Hispanics. There was, there was no grouping who overwhelmingly wasn't in favor of IDs. If we were just to pass the simple voter ID in 50 states... That would take care of a lot of the fixes for the biggest concerns that people have, whether they feel that elections are fair or not. Now, another one would be uh, voter rolls. They, they, they just have to be cleaned up. All right? um, there's no question about it. We hear about it all the time. There is just no real system of expunging things like deaths or moves to, from one place to another. That needs to be cleaned up, period. And now the Democrats said, wait a minute, we have a, they're looking to try to pass these things now, which, which have automatic pe people that are put, it's called an automatic voter registration. You just deal with the government or, or a municipal, uh, be it your, your car, be it your gas electric bill, and then you automatically get put up as a voter. But that just doesn't make, anything that's automatically enrolled doesn't make any sense other than the fact that you can have multiple people that could be enrolled at the same time just by the way they, maybe they put their whole middle name, just the initial, maybe there's no middle name. Next thing you know, you have three new voters. And anytime you have to rely on the honesty of a voter, we're going to have problems inherently. So anytime we start hearing about this automatic voter registration thing, nah, we got we to gotta get rid of that. Now, it was brought up by the National Association of State Legislators. They said, and I quote, The goal of maintaining an accurate voter list is to ensure that eligible voters are able to cast a ballot, to keep track of who has voted to prevent anyone from voting twice, and by reducing the inaccuracies, speed up the voter check-in process. 
Again, common sense. And then we get to the area of absentee ballots. Absentee ballots fundamentally are a good concept, a good idea. And we could have we can avoid a lot of our problems purely by having the voter ID requirements or if we somehow can figure out that our voter list is, is accurate. And I guess you could do this just by requiring that if somebody wants a, an absentee ballot when they apply for it, they'd have to prove their photo ID. Keep in mind, we had 78% that said that was okay. And in addition to that, and not every state has it, we would be requiring to have a signature verification. And that signature verification, unlike this last election where they changed some rules around a little bit, that has to be what you have on file with that particular state. Not to check to make sure that the request coming in is the same as the ballot when it ultimately comes in. That's, that's ridiculous. And the second most important thing with this absentee ballot is going to be make sure that the custody of the ballots is ironclad. There is going to be nothing that pisses off people, Democrats or Republicans, than not being able to account for the ballots. And I don't care whether it's the postman that, or we all find the trash can full of unopened ballots, or maybe after the end when we're trying to, to do our audit of the election... They say, oh, no, we got rid of this, or we got rid of that, or we don't keep them anymore. Uh Uh-uh. Custody control. It's got to be there all the time. And that means we have to control the third-party people that collects these things. And it's understood that not everybody has the ability, maybe, to get to a ballot box to drop it in there. We, We get it. But we all have family, all right? We don't necessarily need third-party vendors which in most cases, they're either volunteers or staff members of, the, of one of the local parties. Oh, sure, be it the Republicans or Democrats, we'll come, we'll come to the nursing home and, and assist with the completion for Mr. and Mrs. whatever, and, 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 and then we'll make sure we get the ballots there. Okay, that only harbors fraud. And as one of the legal fellows from the Heritage Foundation said in 2019, And I quote, Allowing individuals other than the voter or his immediate family to handle absentee ballots is a recipe for mischief and wrongdoing. Don't you agree? Ballot secrecy has always been integral to our American democracy. And we shouldn't forget that. And lastly, we need to do something about this big tech influence. Because as we clearly found out in 2020, having information suppressed, people censored, in this particular election around, it seemed to go against the Republicans. But that doesn't mean that things don't change, be it now, 10 years from now, whatever it might be. It's just purely not fair anybody to have that. Especially when these, the Facebooks or the Twitters, they have special protections that make it so that they can, they are allowing free speech to go on there so they can't be sued. If we're going to find out that they're going to be able to censor or take people off, they got to get rid of that, uh, whatever that is, uh, Section 230, I think is what it's called, which gives them these protections. If they want to be, have the ability to edit or, or, or suppress, then they're really no different than like a newspaper. 
and they should have that ability to be sued for doing that. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to fully vet any candidate, especially running for president of the United States, frankly, so that we don't end up with some bonehead guy like we have in office right now. All right. So as we get closer to 2022, let's hope that we can develop this new generation of solutions out there, which are fair, unbiased. Come on, we can all get an ID. We should have no problems with that. We should all be able to have a signature verification match. And we also want to be careful that certain nursing homes in certain sections of certain cities don't all do 99% for one candidate. Those things are funny. They just, we don't need that. We just don't need that to happen. We need a fair election because we need to be able to support the person that wins. That is what our society is about, isn't it? The peaceful transfer of power. So that when we have what happened on January the 6th, what you had is a bubbling over of people that were angry because of the mistrust. They had no reason to break into the Capitol. I can tell you that. I have no mercy for that either. All right? Let's not call it an insurrection. We had a a small-scale riot is what that was. No different than Seattle or one of these others out there. But it wasn't just those people that were at fault. And we also want to keep that in mind. The suppression of information, the banning of people off Twitter or whatever it might be. We had a lot of people that kind of pushed others into a bubbling over standpoint. We don't need to do that either. So let's get back to basics. Let's hope as we go towards the 2022 elections, somehow we'll try to figure it out so that we're all comfortable that our vote counts and our vote counts one time and one time only. Until then, keep the peace. I thank you for episode number 50 and for the 75,000 listens out there. I appreciate everybody's support out there. Take care and I'll see you next week. I am Jeff Fry, an American conservative. I'll be back next week with more to talk about. In the meantime, keep us, U.S., the United States, in mind. Thank you.